This is the uh, part of our morning where we gather around the scriptures and we open the Bible together and hear what the Lord would have to say to us uh, through his word. And so I'll invite you to take your copy of the scriptures and to turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, as a congregation, as a church, we are working our way through this biography of Jesus written by his best friend. Last week we talked about the miracle, the sign, the miraculous sign that Jesus performed by um, taking five little barley loaves and two fish and multiplying it and uh, breaking it apart and being able to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with it. It's the only miracle, it's the only miraculous sign recorded in all of John's gospel. And this morning's text uh, is uh, really an explanation from Jesus about what that sign was all about, what that miracle, why he did it, and what it's supposed to show us. So um, we're going to start reading at verse 22, the day which talks about the day after. Jesus has walked on water after this, uh, no big deal, and gone to the other side of the lake. So John chapter 6, verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. The disciples had left without Jesus. Then some of the boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because uh, you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do? To do the works God requires. Jesus answered, The work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus answered them, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he's given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Yuck. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. That wasn't in the Bible. The flesh... I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord this morning. And that was a long passage. So here we go. What I could, I could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on uh, so much that's in here. So we've seen... Uh, in John's gospel so far, how John really has organized his biography of Jesus around seven miraculous signs, right? The fourth sign, which we looked at last week, was this multiplication of fish burgers into uh, feeding 5,000 people, probably up to 15,000 people. Now, um, to be honest, I really don't get that excited about bread. I know know there's maybe some bread people in in the room this morning, but I don't really get all that excited about bread. I, when I think of bread, I think of, you know, the Wonder Bread I was raised on from my mother's deep chest freezer that was all dried out and um, pretty bland and, and boring. But um, so I could think of, to be honest, I could think of way better miracles for Jesus to do. Right? Hey, guys, here's a bubbling spring. And it's coffee. Not Folgers. None of that garbage. Coffee. I could think of way more spectacular miracles. For, why didn't Jesus, like, fireball at these trees, right? Why didn't Jesus fly to Rome, do some sky riding in the, in the sky, come down into the Colosseum as the gladiators are fighting the lions, kill the lions with a flash of his hand, you know, that would be spectacular. That would be unbelievable. That would be a display of power that actually isn't that difficult for Jesus if he's the Son of God. Why didn't he do that? The reason is that Jesus' miracles, in, especially in John, are not meant to be just a display of, like, of raw power, of, of, of this unbelievable, spectacular power. They are signs. Pointing at something. They're signs. Just like a street sign says, I know you want to turn onto this street. Here's the sign telling you, here's the street. The signs 
direct our attention. Jesus' miraculous signs were demonstrations not just of his power for power's sake. They're signs about what he came to use his power to do. And so Jesus, by multiplying these loaves and fish to feed a, a, you know, a multitude, isn't just saying, look how incredible and powerful I am that I can do that. He's wanting to communicate to us something about what he wants to use his power to do. And he explains that for us in this passage. Now, I tried to do this throughout the summer. Um, so I need a couple of kids volunteers to help us understand what this passage is about. So uh, I need four or five. Come on up, kids. Don't be shy. I need, I need some help here to illustrate what, this, uh, what Jesus is trying to, to teach us about. So come on up if you're willing. All right, thanks. We got one. Starting the, start the stampede. I need more than one. Come on, guys. Yep, come on up. Come on up. There we go. Another one. We need a girl too. Come on. Any girls in the house today? There's Allie. There we go. All right. That's four. That, that'll be all right, I guess. Okay. What's your name? Noah. Noah. What's your name? Son. My son, Elijah. What's your name? Ryan. Ryan Allie. Uh, some of you guys were here for VBS, right? Uh, you don't have to. It, it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt if you weren't. Um, so those of you who were here for VBS... Do you remember uh, the, the crab? Yeah. What was the crab's name? Bob. Bob. And do you remember the fish? Yeah. What was the, what was the fish's name? Bob. Bob. Right. Bob and Bob. Do you remember, guys, on the last day, they were, they were over here, and they were kicking back in those Muskoka chairs. They had their pop, and they were, on, they were on the reef, and they were saying things like, this is the life. This is living. Do you remember that? Okay. What did they mean by that? Were, like, were the, the, the day before, were they dead? And now they're saying, now I'm alive? No. Well, what, what did he mean, Noah? So what they were doing was pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay, so that's right. So when someone says, this is the life, this is living, they're thinking, this is like the best, Right? This is what life is all about. So what your job here today is you're going you're gonna to think, if I could do this or if this was the way things were, for me, that would be living. What, what's, what's the best for you? Can you think of something? So, so we're going to share that in just a minute. Just try to think about it. So Bob and Bob, for them, just hanging out on their reef, the can of pop, together with their friends, this is living. So Noah, what's living? Playing sports. Play, playing sports. That's your favorite? Like when you're playing, what sport? Soccer or like tennis or like football. That's the best. You're like, this is living. I'm out on the soccer field running around. Elijah, what's, what's living? Winning the provincials. Oh, so you got some goals set. If, if we would just win the provincial championships, then that would be life. Yeah. That would be awesome. Ryan, what's, what's living? Eating. Eating. <laughs> all, right, all right. I like that. Eating, eating what? Food. <laughs> food. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Do you have a favorite food? No, you like all food. If somewhere someone thinks it's food, Ryan likes it. 
I'll take you to China one day, and we'll... <laughs> Allison Croker, what, what's living? Hanging out with my family. Hanging out with your family. Oh, that's a sweet thing. Imagine that the girl said that. That's great. That's the best thing, is hanging out with your family. That's great. Thank you, guys. You can grab a seat. Thank you. You guys did a great job. So Jesus, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Which actually introduces us to the other theme of John's gospel, which are the I am statements of Jesus. We, we talk about seven signs that Jesus, miraculous signs. There's also seven I am statements where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Or I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. There's seven of those. So this is the first one. But what we need to understand is we can sometimes, uh, because we're bound by English, we're thinking, hmm, life. So Jesus is the bread that keeps us alive, keeps us from dying. What we don't understand is that in the language uh, of the New Testament, in Greek, there's two words, two different words that we would translate into life. So there's the word bios, B-I-O-S. And bios means physical life. Biology. It means that you're not dead. Right? You're either dead or you have bios. The other Greek word is zoe. Z-O-E. Zoe. It's a girl's name. It's also, but it means, it's a Greek word that means a quality of life. A quality of life meaning and energy and 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 joy and exhilaration not just not just existence but life this is living this is the life jesus says i am the bread of zoe i am the bread of 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 a quality of life you know we often think of physical bread and the miracle of providing physical bread as sustaining physical life, right? Physical bread sustains physical life. And Jesus says, I am a, and I am a bread of Zoe that sustains Zoe life. I, I have come to bring another kind of bread that brings life to the full. Life to the full. You see, whenever the scriptures talk about eternal life, it doesn't mean eternal existence. Eternal life is not the same as eternal existence. Eternal life talks more about a quality of life. So that forever you could say, this is the life. This is living. I am fully alive. And you see, now we all um, have a vision of what living is. We all have a vision of what living is. And Jesus came to bring that which makes life worth living, meaning and exhilaration and joy and energy, all of that. And, but we have these, often these false, these um, even small understandings of what living is. You know, and sometimes we can maybe chuckle at, oh, if I just had all the food in the world to eat, 
then I'd be living. If I just could play sports all day, I could be living. If my team would just do well, I'd be, if I could just hang out with my family all day, that would be living. And we, we sometimes maybe chuckle at um, kids' understanding of what living would be if I could just have all the pop in the world, if I could just you know, have a chocolate tree that is always in season, that would be living. But maybe, do you think possibly that God could kind of chuckle at what we think living is, that what we think would bring us life, that, we, that at what we think the, the source of life is or the, the fulfillment of life is. And Jesus says, unless it is the bread that I give, unless it is myself, your bread will spoil. You know, we all have these things where we say, well, if I could just have that, if my life were just this way, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be fulfilled. That would be the life. If my baseball team could just win the provincial championship, that would be the life. Then I'd be happy. And we all have that thing. We all have that thing. And what Jesus is saying here with this miracle and with with his teaching on this is that he's saying, I am the bread of life. I am the one who's come to that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the source that sustains true living. And what we need to be convinced of is that true life is found in him. Not in all these other pursuits that our hearts are, are drawn to. He says, don't go find your own bread. Don't go try to find your own Zoe. So first big idea here in this long passage is the life. That there is a big difference between existing and living. A big difference. And Jesus came not to bring only eternal existence, but to bring eternal life. Life to the full. A quality of life. Now, I want us to note as well in this passage, the person. Not only the life, but the person. The person. That there's a big difference between kind of the the theme throughout this section of the messages. There's a big difference between a personal relationship and a business relationship relationship. Look at verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he says that again in verse 48. He says, the bread of life, the the, the thing that will sustain real living is me. It's me. Verse 33. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven And gives life to the world. The bread of God is not a thing. It's not an it. The bread of God, the life of God, the the source that will sustain true living is a person. It's a he who has come down from heaven and gives life to the world. You see, Christianity is utterly unique because um, the, the... Christianity says that the Zoe, the, the quality of life, that true living, true life is found in a person. That makes... Christianity entirely unique. See, Western religions, like the Greeks, thought that life would be found in contemplation. And so you want to be a philosopher. What you need is intellect. You need thinking. You need truth. Eastern religions think life is a force. Right? May the force be with you. It's not found in ideas, but we have to tap into a force through a mystical experience, through embracing a God consciousness, right? 
and Christianity is neither. What I love about, one of the things I love about Jesus is that he's saying, let the little children come to me. And kids, you probably had no idea what I was talking about when I was talking about mystical experiences and intellectual philosophies. And Jesus says, let the little children come to me. A child can't be a philosopher or a mystic, but a child can meet a person. A child can welcome a friend. A child can submit to a parent. And Jesus is saying the life of heaven is not an intellectual idea or a mystical experience. The life of heaven is a person. The Zoe, the life, is not abstract. It's a person. A person who laughed and cried, who suffered, who became angry, who worked hard with his hands. The life is a person. And so the question that I, I, I just feel that this, this forces on us as we, as we hear that Jesus say, I am the bread of life. The, the bread of heaven is he who comes down from heaven. Me, I have come down. The bread of heaven is a person, the person of, the, of Jesus. The, the question that forces on us is, is Jesus personal to you? Is he personal to you? And we can say, you know, I believe certain things or, you know, I, I say my prayers. But there's a big difference between saying your prayers and praying to a person. There's a big difference between saying your prayers or believing some truths in a personal relationship. And one of the reasons marriages break down is that while marriages may begin as a personal relationship, they often devolve into a business relationship where you're running a small business called a family personal relationships in marriage or you're working together or, or, or you know or a bit when they devolve into business relationships you're just you're you're merely working together you're 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 you have duties and responsibilities that need to you need to carry out but personal relationships do you understand each other is there an exchange of affection and commitment do you spend time together in a marriage just to spend time together, to look into each other's eyes? Are you there for each other? Do you support each other? Do you arrange your life for the other person? Do you help the other change? And do you change yourself for the other? Is there affection and commitment and vulnerability? That's a personal relationship. But when we move to a business relationship, there's decay. And you are only here to meet my needs. Well, how about your relationship with God, with the Lord Jesus? Is it a business relationship where you make demands, where you sue for breach of contract? Hey, I'm holding up my end of the bargain. How come you're not coming through for me, God? Or is it personal? Is your relationship with the Lord personal? Is he teaching you new things? Like in like real time, like this week, is he teaching you new things? Do you sense his love and his affection? Do you spend time just to spend time together? Does he reaffirm his love to you? And do you reaffirm your love to him? Do you feel his support in hard times? Does he communicate with you? Will you rearrange your life for him? 
Or is your relationship with God intellectually high-minded truths? Or is it just mystical experiences waiting around for some groovy groovy vibes, right? Or is it a set of rules? Jesus is the bread of life. And as you take him in, as you feed on him, as he says, eat, eat my flesh, he's not talking about cannibalism. He's saying, take me in. And as you take me in, your, my energy will be released in you. My energy will be released in you. It'll circulate all throughout you. It'll explode within you. And so do you know the life and the relationship that Jesus is talking about? Of, of him coming into your life and circulating and bringing new energy, exploding with power in your life to break old habits and old ways. Do you know something of that personal relationship, that personal power breaking in. And if you say, well, actually, I I don't know really anything about that. I, I really don't know anything about a personal relationship where he's communicating with me and I hear his voice and his love is shed abroad in my heart. And we spend time together. And we communicate affection and commitment to one another. If you don't know anything about that, I have good news for you today. That you can receive the bread of life today. And so the third point, third idea in this passage is about receiving the bread of life. There's a big difference between a religious works and faith. I just want to show a few different ways Jesus talks about the same thing in this passage. Verse 28, he says, um, 28, 29, they ask, what must we do to do the work God requires? How can, we, how can we live up to the requirements of God, the Jews ask him. And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe. To believe. Verse 37 Another way of talking about believing. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And so he's talking about believing and coming to him. Looking to him. Believing in him. Verse 47. He goes back to believe. I tell you the truth. truth. He who believes has everlasting life. Verse 51, again, verse 54, Jesus talks about, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread. So he's talking about receiving the bread by eating it. That's how you receive bread, right? You don't just look at it. You don't just touch it. You have to eat it for it to be of value. And so Jesus is saying the way that you receive the bread can be described as believing in him, trusting in him, coming to him, looking to him, eating feeding on him. All of which says, what, is he, what he's saying is you don't work for it. The, the Jews were asking, what can we do to do the work that God requires? How can we live up to the requirements of God so we could be in relationship with him? And he says, you just have to receive him. The only thing you can do is believe in him. To stop working, to stop trying to live up and simply receive him. Simply receive him. But there's a bit of a conundrum in this passage. 
Some of us kind of want to skip over these verses. All that the Father gives me, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come unless the Father draws you to me. You will not believe in me. You will not feed on me. You will not receive me. You will not welcome me. You will not look to me. You will not believe on me unless the Father who sent me draws you to me. Unless he enables you, unless he opens your heart and your mind. Which means that that being a follower of Jesus is all of grace. That even this work of of receiving from God, of, of believing on him, even that is a gift of grace. You can't even take credit for believing. You can't take credit for anything. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're saved by the the grace of Jesus, you can't take credit for any of it. It's all His grace. He, the Father, has given you to Jesus. He has drawn you to Jesus. Jesus is saying, you can't even make yourself a Christian. You can't even do that. And sometimes we wrestle with that. We're like... So the reason that person's not a Christian is because the Father hasn't drawn them? The Bible never really invites us to look that way. The Bible invites us, the Scriptures, Jesus invites us to say, the reason you are a follower of Jesus, the reason you follow Christ, is because the Father has drawn you to Him. And I think it's an issue of desire. Our hearts are corrupted. I can illustrate this... um, I've been thinking a lot about desire. I've been reading a book uh, on what we want and what we desire. And as natural in our natural state, in the, the state in which we're born, our desires are all messed up. They're corrupted. They're upside down. And so um, if I were to set before you, or if you were to set before me, two lunch options. The option number one is a, is a nice slice of New York-style cheesecake. Raspberry sauce. Option one. Option two is sliced up monkey brains that have been sitting out in the sun for a week, covered in flies. Cheesecake, monkey brains. 100 times out of 100, I'll choose the cheesecake. 100 times out of 100. It's not that I couldn't eat the monkey brains. I could probably get it down. I've got a pretty good gag reflex. I could probably get it down. I could probably eat it. The problem isn't that I can't eat it. The problem is I can't want it. I can't desire it. I'll never pick it. And what the scriptures um, talk about is that our desires are so corrupted. Our, our, Our desires are so messed up that that following Jesus to us in our natural state seems like sliced up monkey brains that have been fermenting in the sun for a week. And we'll never pick it. Isaiah 53. Jesus came and he says, he has no beauty that we should desire him. In our natural state, apart from God's intervention in our lives, looking at Jesus... Is, is disgusting to us. Following Jesus seems disgusting to us, like sliced up monkey brains for lunch. 
But the grace of God is such that he pursues after men and women. He pursues after boys and girls. And he communicates the good news about Jesus. And as he does that, the Holy Spirit of God begins to open our eyes, begins to breathe life into our dead souls. Dead people can't make themselves live. And the the scripture says that as we are born, we are spiritually dead. We are unable to respond to the gospel. It says the natural mind is hostile to God and will not submit to it and cannot submit to it. That's in Romans 8, I think. We, We can't want it. We can't desire it unless the Father draws us. And so it's all of grace. But here's the good news today. If, if today as we're talking about Zoe, as we're talking about life in Jesus, as we're talking about a personal relationship with Jesus, about him showing his love to you and him showing how, how much he rejoices over you and exalts over you with loud singing, if, that, if that's attractive to you today, if you're like, man, I, I know some of it, but I want more, or I know nothing of it, but that's, I would love a relationship with Jesus like that. If, if, if that seems appealing to you at all, you don't have to wonder, hey, I wonder if the Father's drawing me. No, he's drawing you to Jesus. If there's any inkling of you that desires him, that desires to know him and to love him and to know his love for you, that's the work of the, Holy, of the Father. That's the work of the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus. And the invitation for you today is to come to him, to receive him, to believe in him, to trust in him, to feed on him, to feed on him. To receive the bread of life. Here's a slice of, here's a loaf of bread. Last Last thought that, that I would like to stick with us this morning is this. Is that in order for me to receive this bread, in order for me to feed on this bread, this bread needs to be broken. I have a big mouth. I can't swallow it whole. I can lick it. But I won't receive any of the energy that this bread has to offer. I won't receive any of the nourishment that this bread has to offer unless this bread is broken. And unless it's crushed by my teeth and received. In order for this bread to be of any benefit to me, it must be broken. It must be crushed. And Jesus was broken, crushed for you, for your sin, for your sin of treating. I need a slight drink of water now. He was crushed for you, for your sin of treating God like a business partner. For your sin of thinking that the life that's found in Jesus is disgusting as sliced monkey brains. For hostility to God. And when you see that he was broken for you, when you receive him, when you come to him, he is the bread of life for you. 
His life will come into you. His energy will circulate throughout you and explode with meaning and joy and purpose. Giving you the power to change old ways and to follow him. And so the invitation today is that you may receive him 